Okay, my friends, the days are getting short. And you know what that means. A visit from your old friend, depression. Uh, there are, there are uh, let's just say most of us in this place struggle with, at some point, depression. It is a monster in many lives that is constant. And for some, it is just a visitor, but almost all of us are going to struggle with bouts of depression. Uh, so I have brought in the big guns today to talk about depression. Uh, you need to take notes. I'm telling you, please, please take notes. If this is not something that applies to you now, it will apply to you later or absolutely will apply to someone in your household. So there's not a person in here today that this is not extremely important to. All right. So uh, I am going to introduce you to someone that maybe you already know and love. She is a licensed counselor in the state of Texas, and she's not just a counselor. She is the best. Please stand and give a warm Woodbridge welcome to Gina Martin. Gina, come up. Well, that makes me really uncomfortable because it's not, it's not going to meet that level of height. But I am glad to be with you this morning, Woodbridge. Um, I think this is, what, the third time I've been here? And each time I'm here talking about depression or anxiety. Um, I want to tell you real quick, before I get started, I would like to tell you a little bit about what God is doing in our work so he has blessed us um, with a larger building. So we're not able to, we're not just providing individual counseling, but now we're able to help more people through groups, support groups for different things. Um, right now, we're, we've already started um, a men's group for those who struggle with pornography. It's a wonderful group, um, very confidential. We have, we're about to start a divorce care group for those going through divorce and struggling with helping their children through divorce. Uh, we're going to have a hurting moms group, um, which is for women who are heartbroken about their older children who are making destructive choices. Uh, and then as we see more and more needs, we're just going to open up this space for uh, people who have been through these things, who have healed, who are uh, now being used by God to help others struggling with the same thing. You know, that's what Jesus did with the, the little boy, remember the 5,000? The disciples were, how are we going to feed these people? And they found a little boy who had a few fish and loaves of bread, but the disciples were like, how is that going to help anything? But he offered the little that he had. He offered, this is what I've got. You know, and look what Jesus did with that. He fed the 5,000. And I know that's what God is going to do through his people who have been through divorce, who have struggled with addiction, who have done, you know, gotten through these things and are now able to help others. So um, I'm going to be letting uh, Jared know when we provide these different things so he can let you know. Maybe you can participate. Another thing that... Um, I'm going to experiment with because there's such a growing need for counseling. 
and there's just not enough counselors to meet the need. The minute I add a counselor to our staff, he or she fills up like that. It's just very frustrating. And so I'm going to actually experiment with some group therapy, which is just, you know, in, in group therapy, it's just there's an element of education, of teaching, um, and then there's the element of everybody working on their individual needs. But today I, I'm not comfortable with preaching. I'm not a preacher. And so what I'd like to do is kind of make this like a group therapy session. You're not going to have to say anything. Don't get nervous. But I am going to do a little bit of education that what I'd like you to do, if, if you struggle with depression, you can actually take the things that we're talking about today, and it'll be a start for you to begin to do what you can to turn things around, okay? It's very exciting, okay? So, um, you know, while there are biological causes to some depression and anxiety, and last time I did spend some time talking about some of those physiological uh, causes of depression, and there are certain situations where medication is needed, but today I want to spend time talking about the most common cause of depression, and that is when we develop a very unhealthy way of thinking, patterns of thinking, they develop in lots of different ways. Childhood, just experiences. We all have difficult experiences at school or in sports, or we can uh, go through times of abuse or a bad breakup or um, it, it, it doesn't matter what the cause, what the source, but depending on that, we start believing things about ourselves, about the world, about others, how they see us in uh, ways that aren't accurate, yes. okay? I don't know if you're aware of that. And when something is not accurate, we're seeing it in what we call a distorted way. All right, I see this all the time. And if you think Christians don't deal with this, it's, it's, it is something that Christians deal a lot with. So I want to help you with that today. Satan, I want to just kind of give you this. So Satan is, the Bible calls him, the father of all lies. From the moment the first lie happened, when he planted a seed of uh, distrust in Eve, to not believe what God had told her, from that moment, he's, you know, sin came into the world. He lies. The Bible says he, there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is the father of all lies. So if you're believing something that's distorted or not really true, we know what's behind that, okay? The Bible also calls him the enemy who, who prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. It also calls him, in John, it calls, he, uh, Jesus called him a thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And when he plants these, these distortions in our minds, it does. It steals our joy. It steals our, our uh, chances, our uh, confidence. It steals our relationships and even our health. I'm seeing now a lot of people with health problems that are related, directly related to the way they think, okay? And, and honestly, I've seen people that once they correct the way they think, the physical things are gone, 
Isn't that amazing? So much of what we deal with, I've dealt with that myself. I'm going to share a little bit later um, something I dealt with just recently, that once I got things lined up with truth, the pain went away. And I'm not saying all pain is due to this. I'm just saying that it's directly our mind, our body, and our spirit is all connected. And so um, I want to just show you, when in counseling we call these cognitive distortions, okay? So I'm going to run through these really quick because there's 10, okay? So what do you think of when you think of a distortion? Something that's just kind of twisted, you know, like when you walk in a house of mirrors and it's you, you can tell it's you, but it's really messed up. Well, that's what we call these thinking, these thinking patterns. It's actually a habit. If you can think of like your eating habits, you know, you just automatically go to the same things. Well, that's what we're talking about, a way of thinking that just becomes a habit. Um, and, and I want to just kind of show you these real quick. We're not going to spend a lot of time on them, but you can find these online. I mean, you can look up cognitive distortions, and you can find all the information about it. Um, now, these things, no matter which one you deal with, they cause you to view everything more negatively than it really is. Okay, so think about that as we're going through these. The first one is all-or-nothing thinking. So this is where you look at things in absolute black or white categories. For instance, if you didn't win, you're a loser. You know, I struggle with this one. You know, if you, if you hear in your thinking, uh, everybody, nobody, never, it's never going to get better. If that's your way of thinking, that's all-or-nothing. Overgeneralizing. Something happens to you once. You just assume it's a never-ending pattern of defeat. You know, it's always this way. Very defeating and hopeless. Mental filter. This, I would say, is probably the most common one with people who struggle with depression. We dwell on the negatives and ignore the positives. You can have ten positive things that happen, but if one thing is messed up, that's the thing we focus on. All right, discounting positives. This is sort of the same thing, except it has to do with your own positive qualities. Somebody asks you out on a date, and you think, well, they just must feel sorry for me. You can't think of any reason why they would value being with you, okay? Jumping to conclusions. Now, this is huge in relationships. Someone will do something, and you jump to a conclusion that's not true. It's not even what they're thinking. I know you husbands are probably smiling because a lot of times husbands will do things and they don't, you know, they're just doing them and a wife will think something completely different. If you're married, you've, you've experienced this, okay? So there's two kinds of jumping to conclusions. You mind read, you just assume that the other person is reacting neg- negatively to you or you're fortune telling, you're predicting something's going to turn out badly, okay? Uh, magnification, you blow things out of proportion. So you can see one cloud. Oh, my goodness. We better check the weather. Make sure there's not going to be a tornado or a storm. Okay? That is, a, this is, this one I also call catastrophizing. We can uh, get in a habit of just going to the worst possible case scenario. That's a very common one for anxiety. Uh, that's also one that I struggle with on a regular basis. Uh, emotional reasoning is simply reasoning from your feelings. If I feel like an idiot, so I must be one. Shoulds. If you're a perfectionist, 
this is your distortion, okay? If something goes wrong, I should have known. I should have done this with my children when they were younger. It's a beat down, basically. There's nothing you can do about it, but you, you dwell on it, how bad it was. Okay, labeling. This is where, okay, this one, a lot of people with anger struggle with labeling. Uh, someone does something to them, well, you know, he's just a jerk. Or if um, they, they mess up on something instead of making a mistake, well, I'm just a loser. They label, they put a label on someone. Sometimes people do this toward themselves, and sometimes they do it toward others. Uh, Self-blame and other blame, uh, it's just what it says. You blame yourself for things when you're not responsible for them. Uh, and then other blame is where you blame others and overlook the ways that you are responsible for the problem. So um, the reason that this is so damaging is because when we ruminate, when we roll over and over a negative thought, and that's what we do, we ruminate, it creates chronic stress and chronic depression, okay? So whenever we... Um, when we're doing this, we're creating, I like to think of it as a negative channel, like a channel on your TV. Don't you kind of go back to the same ones over and over, okay? We are creating a negative channel that just becomes our default. You actually wire your brain to be really good at producing negative thoughts, okay? Now, I know this sounds really depression, depressing, but here's, the, here's we're going to switch things right now. You don't have to stay there, okay? You don't have to stay there. There are things you can do, and that gives you hope. I used to be the world's worst. I know I've shared it with you before, but I'm just going to real quickly say, because it was a huge victory, I was the worst perfectionist. I could never do anything that was good enough. And the shoulds would just take over my day. I don't do that anymore. I've learned. I caught it. I knew what it was. I called it out on myself. And immediately, I began to turn it around. Okay? Now, I want to show you uh, an example other than myself. So a client that I'm working with, a man, uh, his, actually his wife came in first, that, uh, you know, she was real there this is a family that everyone looks at and goes wow that's a good family i mean they're christians they walk with god they have great kids you know it's just a you would never dream this is these things are going on but through the years he you know loses temper yell at his kids yell at his wife it, it happens but it was kind of consistent with him and he's become really depressed and just lethargic lately so his wife came in to see me, and she, was just, she said, I am really, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm really worried about our marriage because I cannot allow him to treat me this way. And so she was able to talk with him, and thank God he was able to come in. He humbled himself. He came in. He said, okay, I need you to help me. He said, I've dealt with depression all my life. I've taken medications. I've done, uh, you know, done these different things. He runs, he exercises, those are all good things. But there was something he couldn't overcome. And so uh, one thing that I ask you to do, and this is an exercise, 
I'll say, okay, tell me about a time recently whenever you were really down. And I just want to hear the thoughts. Like if you had a tape recorder in your brain, what would we be hearing? I said, don't change it. Don't censor it. Just say it, you know. And so he just, he said, well, I was really depressed when I woke up last Wednesday and I was headed back to work. He, he works out of town, so he leaves really early on Monday morning, goes back to uh, another city to work. So he started saying what he was thinking, and this is, I wrote it down, so this is exactly what he said. He said, oh, crap, that didn't go well. Just another sign it's not ever going to get better. And then he just kept going and kept going. He said it was like it just, I got, I got to feeling worse and worse and worse. And I said, okay, so stop right there. Tell me about your weekend. And he said, well, okay, so... Friday night, I went to the football game, and I said, did you enjoy the football game? Yeah, it was a great game. I really, I love sports. He said, then I got up on Saturday morning, took a long run, said I, uh, and then after that, we had lunch, and he said, my wife and I actually got out. We went to Granbury. We sat outside. It was a beautiful fall day, and we got to enjoy some good music and good food. He said, we even had some really good conversation, probably the best in a long time. And it was so funny because as he was talking, he, I could see it happening. He was like, wow, that really sounds like a, a good weekend. He said, I mean, we went to church on Sunday. It was great. And we went to the re-engage class, and I really did learn some neat things. And he said, oh, my goodness. I have focused on the one part of our relationship that's not gotten better yet, the physical part of their relationship. And so I said, okay, so what would you say to a good friend in this situation? And he said, and it was really hard. It took him a long time. He said, okay, uh, I would say, you know what? A lot of things are getting better. You're in counseling. You're spending more quality time with your wife. Y'all are having conversation now. Things are getting better. And as you get better emotionally, as there's more of an emotional connection, I had to help him with this, by the way. As there's more of an emotional uh, connection, the physical part of your relationship is going to follow. It just does. For a woman, whenever you are connected and you're talking and you're, you're able to share your inner self with your spouse and spend quality time, you're, the physical part of your relationship will just come. And so, you know what? He, after, after that, so he, I said, I want you to do this every time you catch yourself in a really rotten mood or you're, you're really angry or frustrated. So a couple of weeks passed and and he, we met again, and he said, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to get a drink. He said, okay, I caught myself. He said, I was thinking, why is everything so hard? Why can't it be a little easier? It's just the way it is. I'll never get past these struggles. These are actually the thoughts I wrote down. And he said, I stopped immediately. I just I saw what I was doing. I'm doing the mental filter. I stopped and for one minute solid, I started naming all the things that all my blessings. Does this sound like something to you? Does it sound like scripture? Give thanks in all circumstances. 
For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, God knew way back when that he'd better tell us in his word how we need to respond whenever hard things happen. You don't respond by dwelling on what's wrong. You focus on those things that are good. And then you turn over the things that are not, that you can't control, to the one who can help, the one who can comfort. And so he started doing that, and he said, you know, right afterwards, it was like a weight lifted. He said, I wasn't in that rotten mood anymore. I was actually thankful for the job that I have. It provides for my family. You know, um, it's, it's good. I, I'm doing well. And those are things that he had been totally overlooking. Philippians 4.8. I just want to give you a couple scriptures to show you how what I'm sharing with you, it's not my idea. It's God's idea. So Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think about these things. 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He's telling us what we need to do. We've just got to put it into place. So in order to do this um, over the long haul, okay, well, first I'm going to give you, before I get into this next part, I want to just share that if you will make a daily practice, if this is something you struggle with and you want to correct it, just like I did, I knew the shoulds, that was something that I struggled with. So every single time, just like you have to turn around an exercise habit or an eating habit, Every single time you stop and you say, okay, I'm doing, name it, be aware of it. I'm doing the shoulds again, or I'm doing the mental filter again. And then you, you switch your thinking, what's true, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable. It can even be something that's not going well. You can say, okay, that's not going well, just like he did. The physical part of our relationship it's not where it needs to be, but, and then he, and if you have to just say, but God, I'm giving that part of it to you. I'm going to do what I can control. You take the rest, okay? So you are, you are switching it, and I'm going to challenge you. Spend at least one minute thinking through, rolling over, because what's going to happen is you are going to begin to form some new thinking channels, you can actually be the sculptor of your own brain. You can begin. Brain researchers have written books about this. Caroline Leaf, if you want to look into one, Rewire Your Brain, I think is what it's called. It's, uh, it's truly just exercising the brain to, to notice the positives or exercising, you know, just setting up some new channels. And actually in your brain, you set up new neural connections when you do that on a regular basis. So if this is something you deal with, the more you exercise it, it's hard at first. It's so hard. It's so easy just to go back to the old negative things, the jumping to conclusions, the whatever it is. 
But once you do it over and over, with exercise, with an eating like a new way of doing something, it becomes easier and more automatic with time. So I want to give you hope about that. Um, this is what I do in counseling all the time. It's so rewarding to see a Christian come in and they're like this. I'm so defeated. You know, I cannot get past it. And then at the end of their therapy, to see them, you know, reflecting God's love to the world around them because they're not full of lies and distorted thoughts. It's, it's so rewarding. Um, okay, so I want to go, I want to shift to another obstacle that I'm seeing a lot of right now. And this, I think, is the cause of a lot of our depression, a lot of our stress, and our anxiety, and it is hard to overcome, but you can do it. Okay, I want it before I say what it is, I want to tell you about a month ago, and I, here I am, a Christian counselor. I love being with God. I've known him for a long time. I, I mean, there's nothing I'd rather do than just sit and be with God. But about a month ago, I woke up, and it was like I was in my joints were hurting. I was just in so much physical pain, you know, not sleeping, not taking time for myself to do the things that I know are good for me. And I just, I was like, it hit me. I said, God, I have not really been with you all week. I have not heard your voice. I haven't, you know, taken the time for this. And I knew it right away. I had fallen into that, that I guess it's a distorted way of living. It's the world's way of living, being busy, you know. We feel our lives so full of activity and things that are our responsibility that we do not, it's not allowing time to just sit still and be with God. I think this is from the enemy. I think our way of living right now we were never designed to keep up with this pace, okay? So here's what I had to do, and I'm, say, I'm telling you, it's hard. And I'm not judging because I know for different ones of us there are seasons. But overall, I, I had to sit down with God. I asked forgiveness, and then I said, okay, there are certain things that are the most important things. First of all, I'm going to put you first, okay? Matthew 6.33. This is the chapter where it's talking about all the worries and stresses of the world, the things we worry about. And then he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things. And all these other things will be added unto you. In other words, you put the most important things in place first, your time with God, take care of yourself, your temple, Take care of your marriage, your children, those, those relationships that are key. Do your job well. But then there's a lot of other things that we are doing that we, I'm not saying you drop them. I'm saying you evaluate. You sit down and you really evaluate. I had to actually talk to my clients. This was hard. And I had to say, I may not be able to see you as often as we have been meeting. Because, and I just told them, I've got to have more time for taking care of the most important things. 
and I will continue to work with you. I stopped seeing new clients. My pastor even called me. That breaks my heart. If he called me, he called me. There's these friends of mine. They need marriage counseling. I, I had to say, I cannot add one more thing to my schedule. And he completely understood. He was so gracious. He's actually been preaching about busyness. So I said, my pastor has been reaffirming this for me. And he was kind of like, yeah, I'm going to have to have a talk with your pastor. But it's, it's really important. And um, so I'll tell you something, though. When I did that and I started moving at a slower pace, there was just peace. You know, I mean, just a peace that I have not felt in a long time. And I remember sitting with God that first day after that, and it's like, thank you, God. I have the time just to sit and thank you for all the blessings and worship you and give you all my cares, all my anxieties, all the things at work, at home that I'm struggling with. I give them one by one. And then I open your word and I see what your word says for me and how I can live by it. And then I move on about my day. Now, for some of you, that's late at night. You know, not that we're supposed to leave the most important till we're tired, but some of you are night owls, and morning would just not be a good time to spend with God. So you know, you know what your time is. But there's nothing I can say that's going to challenge you more, that's going to be more helpful than finding that time and getting that back. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Do not be conformed to the busy is good pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Why? Because you are with him. Jesus modeled this. He modeled forgiveness. He modeled baptism. He modeled all of the things that are impo- he was, that was important for us to do. He modeled this in all the Gospels. You'll find it repeatedly. He got away alone to be with the Father. This is important. It is integral to being our best. Um, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. I want, to, I want to close with a couple of my favorite scriptures. And I mentioned this before when I was here. John 15, 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you know what fruit he's talking about? The fruits of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. All these things are the opposite of depression. But in order to have those things and those to naturally just overflow out of the nourishment of the vine, we have to remain in him. We have to be with him. If you do not know how to be with God, please 
please call Jared. Please call someone you know that can get you in touch with him because I know there's nothing he'd rather do than get you started in how do you pray? How do you spend time with God? How do you do this? And, and that's, that's key, okay? If I had a nickel for every person when I asked them, how'd your week go? Who said, guess what they say? Busy, crazy busy. So, and this is what they said, so busy. And then when I ask about, you know, time with God, I just don't have time for that. So please, you know, take these things and get involved in turning things around. I know it, this is 30 minutes, so I can't give you everything, but it's a start. If you'll start there, and then, um, you know, maybe you can be a part of my group therapy, you know? Maybe some of you want to be a part of that. Um, or, you know, we can come back next time and go a little deeper. So I appreciate your attentiveness, and I appreciate being able to be here. Can I pray for you real quick? Okay. Father, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share these truths with these people. And I just lift each one up, that you would make them aware of anything in their thinking that does not line up with truth, that does not line up with your word, and give them the ability to uh, take the, the step to start turning that around, to rewire their brain and how they think according to your word. I just pray, Lord, that we would put you above all the other activities in our lives. Show us how to prioritize that alone time with you so you can nourish us by your spirit with joy and peace and all those things you want us to live in. Your word says you came so we could live abundantly. And I pray that over this church and over each one here. I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here who does not know you, who has never known how they can have a relationship with you, Father, I pray right now that they would just uh, be honest and say, God, I don't know how to do this, but I want you in my life. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. Thank you that you paid the price for my sins so I can know you and have relationship with you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, the ways that I have walked away from you, disobeyed you. And I ask you to come into my life and forgive me and help me walk with you day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Gina Martin, ladies and gentlemen. Excellent tools. Excellent tools for you to be using if you heard some of these things and you thought, you know, that that hits me. I think I need to start incorporating that into my life. Let me tell you, everyone sitting around you was thinking that times two. We're always the last to know about ourselves, aren't we? So I uh, hope that you will take these tools. Listen, the Bible gives us a lot of instruction, and a lot of it, I need you to understand this, is to keep you from falling into a hole.
okay? These are life principles that we put into place to keep us out of bad places. So I hope that you took notes and will take these things and apply them to your life. Um, the worship team is up. They're going to do one more song. As they do, some baskets are going to come up. And part of the way that we worship is through tithing and offering, so feel free to put that in there. But also, uh, if you have anything that you would like for us to go through with you, write that down on your connection card. Drop that in the basket, and we will be in contact with you this week. So uh, last week, I challenged everybody. I told you we would give you a mentor to walk with you for nine weeks. And we had many people take us up on that, just as I suspected almost all women, because men have got this. Uh, so, <clears throat> guys, time to step up. Uh, but that, that offer still stands. So let us know if you would like for us to walk with you for nine weeks and hold you accountable to being in your word and also help you navigate through that as you learn to do those things. All right. I think that's everything. Uh, please stand and worship with us.